Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. Okay, I would like to invite you to grab a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Uh, You can just listen along. But if you do have a Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Now, normally we'd be opening our Bibles to 1 Corinthians, uh, but we're going to be asking God how to orient. We're going to be asking God to orient ourselves uh, in this new normal with 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7 this morning. So Peter sent this letter uh, to small churches meeting just as we are. Uh, These churches were filled with believers who were scared, who were confused, who were struggling not to freak out. And in chapter 1 of 1 Peter, Peter calls these little gatherings exiles. They felt like exiles in their own community. Not because of pandemic, but because of persecution. But Peter's words of hope still apply in any age when followers of Jesus feel afraid, and they feel like giving up, and they feel like giving in. Now, Peter couldn't live stream like we can, but he did the ancient equivalent. He communicated to these churches in the fastest way he knew how, a circular letter. And so in verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, To those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Benthia. And so what we know is that he sent to them a circular letter, and that was the route in which this letter actually took. And so over the centuries, God made certain that this God-breathed circular letter would end up in our hands and on our laps this morning. And so let me read to you 1 Peter. We'll do verses 6 and 7 this morning. God's Word says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. Lord, Would the words of my mouth and would the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing and acceptable to you? You are our rock. You are our redeemer. We know, God, that you can indeed meet us, though we are separated by distance and connected by uh, by technology. You can still meet us. And we ask now, Lord, that you would by your spirit. Open the eyes of our hearts so that we wouldn't just learn information this morning, but that we would see you. And we would worship you and our hearts would rest and sing in you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, so every workday I walk into my local Starbucks and I order a tall English breakfast tea with a mug. 
Now, the mug is essential. It's a must. In fact, the Starbucks on Lane Avenue had to order tall mugs because I kept ordering my tall English breakfast tea with a ceramic mug and theirs broke. And so they ordered more just for me. That's how essential the ceramic mug is for me in my morning work. Then last week I walked up to order and they told me no more ceramic mugs because of coronavirus. Now, I'm really good at pretending to be nice on the outside, but on the inside, I was thinking, everybody needs to just chill out. We're freaking out, aren't we? We're freaking out. That was my posture, really, towards the coronavirus. It was casual apathy. Until Tuesday of this week, I got a text from my nephew who's in leadership of a church that meets on campus. And he asked for prayer because he just got the news that Ohio State was postponing classes, suspending classes. And my, my nephew is a leader in a campus church. And he was wrestling with the implications of this. And I had to read his text twice. First about the shock of Ohio State suspending classes, and then the concern for my nephew's church. And then I remembered that Hope, our church, meets in a campus building. And then, and then, and then, and the thoughts just coming, and all the implications started falling out. And in two minutes flat, I went from complete apathy mode to complete panic mode. Total apathy to total freakout. Frustratingly aloof, to frustratingly anxious. And you can ask my wife, that's typically how I roll. I'm very aloof. I'm very kind of out of touch. And then suddenly I am the most anxious person in the room. And this has been no different. I think we all probably have a similar story. Some of you may still be pretty chill about what's happening. And I envy you if that's you. But most of us are freaking out. And I think it happened when our governor canceled school. Or maybe some of you, uh, it happened when coronavirus took away your March Madness. Or it probably happened somewhere down the line for some of you in a different way. But the point is, we're all freaking out a little bit, aren't we? And what makes matters worse is that America already was anxious. Thomas Friedman, who studied anxious societies from families all the way up to nations, he said that anxious societies are like a gas-filled room where any spark could blow it up. Well, if America was a gas-filled room of anxiety, then we found our spark, didn't we? We are exploding with anxiety and with worry and with right concern. So what I want to ask us this morning is, do Jesus' people have a calling in this anxious moment? Do we have a special, unique, salt and light, city on a hill calling in this anxious moment? We do. We know we do. We know we do because this is not the first time the church has been in an anxious age. Peter's letter that we just opened up in front of us was getting passed around in an anxious society. We know this. He says, cast your anxieties on God, implying that anxiety was a major issue for them. And it was a major issue for all Christians in Asia Minor, which was, which was the ancient Roman Empire. And we know, as we've been studying in 1 Corinthians, that the ancient 
life in the Roman Empire as a Christian was no walk in the park. And throughout this letter, Peter acknowledges that they are having a hard time. Here's what he says, and I'm quoting. He calls this community of faith grieved by trials, enduring sorrows, suffering unjustly, insulted for the name of Christ. Peter describes their walk with Jesus in chapter 4 as a fiery trial. A fiery trial. But Peter in that gives them a hopeful word. A way of walking in these hard times. He doesn't say just succumb to the anxiety. He gives them a hopeful word and a way of walking in this hard time. He writes, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Peter is showing them a third way. It's not worldly panic. And it's not otherworldly apathy, where I was up to Tuesday. But non-anxious presence. God is calling his people through this letter to non-anxious presence. Does that mean we'll not have anxieties? No, of course not. But we'll be casting our anxieties on him. This is a non-anxious presence, a non-anxious posture. Again, we're not facing persecution like Peter's churches. Praise God. But if these words apply to persecution, how much more do they apply to us right now? How can we be a non-anxious presence in this age of coronavirus? Well, Peter tells us in in this text that it has to do with the hand of God. Peter reminds us that God's hand is mighty. Verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. He reminds us that God's hand is mighty in verse 6. And then he reminds us that that very same hand is also caring. He says, cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Usually those two words, mighty and caring, are an either-or proposition. But with God, it's a both-and. It's a both-and. This both-and of God's hand being both mighty and caring is the pathway to the non-anxious presence in our day. Think about it. If God's hand were only mighty... We would not cast our anxieties on him because we would think he doesn't care. We would say to ourselves, he has bigger fish to fry than my little worries. And who am I? If he was just mighty. But on the other hand, if his hand were only caring, we would we would not cast our anxieties on him either because we know he couldn't do anything about them. A God who has a mighty but harsh hand will turn you into someone who is in cold religious duty. We obey God in order to appease his mighty but harsh hand. Yet on the other hand, if God only had a caring hand but was weak... 
then that would only give us wishful thinking and no real help. But a God who has a caring and a mighty hand gives you rest. The hand of God is mighty enough, think about it, to crush Satan. And that same hand is caring enough to wipe away every tear. The hand of God is mighty enough to deal a death blow to death itself. And that same hand is caring enough to touch the untouchables in his day and make them clean. This both end of God's hand is the pathway to non-anxious presence. It's the only thing that can help us in these days of uncertainty. It's the only thing that I am drawing on in these days of uncertainty. The mighty hand of God, the caring hand of God. Think of it this way. In college, I was stranded on the side of the road in the middle of Hamilton, Ohio, in the middle of the night with a flat tire. Now, I could, in that moment, I could have called my mom. Hi, mom, if you're watching. I could have called my mom and get lots of care, but she could not help me. She was in another state, for one. And I'm not sure she's that well-versed in changing tires. I could be wrong. The other person I could have called in those moments was the tow towing company. It was late at night, and I know that they would have charged me an arm and a leg. They were able to help me, but they didn't care about me. So they would have charged me a ton of money. They probably would have been really late, and I would have been as worried as when I started. But what I did is I called my roommate, John. I called my roommate, John, who knows how to fix cars, and he loves me. And that made me rest. He came right out to help me with the mighty hand of help and the caring hand of concern. And that's what we see in God. In fact, that's what we see in Jesus. Jesus, who is the fullest sort of revelation of who we have, of who God is and who his character is. Jesus, who is fully man and fully God. He shows us the character of God. And Jesus's hand is a both and hand. His hands are mighty and his hands are caring. The same hands that cast out demons reached through death itself to grab Talitha's lifeless hand to say, little girl, get up. Jesus, the same hands that upended the money changers tables at the temple were those same hands that were nailed to the tree of Calvary so that we could be friends with God. Jesus, who created all things, made everything with his hands, with those same very hands. We're scarred so that we could have friendship with God. See, the cross, if you think about it, is the character of God on full display. It's where justice of God and the mercy of God are just, they're just together in the most explosive way. And it's proof, the cross of Christ that God can be trusted with all of our anxieties. His hand is mighty and his hand is caring. And so let me just ask you, how can we be a non-anxious presence in this age of coronavirus in light of what Peter just told us? Well, do what Peter says. Cast your anxieties on him. The word here for cast is not a gentle fishing cast. It actually, in the Greek, has a sense of hurling something, like really hurling something. Just recently, actually last spring, I hurled a kickball 
um, in in a Grandview Adult League. Don't ask. And I basically damaged my rotator cuff because apparently you're not supposed to throw a kickball like this. You're supposed to granny it. I didn't know that. So I hurled the thing and I injured my my shoulder. Now that's exactly what Peter is telling us to do. He's telling us to, to not just toss our anxieties to him, but to literally hurl them, to, to sort of take them, pick them up, and to hurl them at God, because he alone is able to handle them. He's mighty enough to take them, and he's caring enough to take them. And so that's what he's calling us to do. Hope, as a church, or if you're just viewing us, pick up your worries, which means we acknowledge them. We acknowledge them. And I want you to just do that now. Just take a moment to acknowledge your anxieties. Maybe this will be the first time all week that you've actually acknowledged your anxieties. We've been answering emails. We've been answering phone calls. We've been texting. We've been lining up childcare. We've been reading our news feed. We've been keeping up with all the new policies at our job, with all the new policies with our work. We've been getting our schools canceled. We've been being sent home from school. All of these things have happened in the matter of just three days. And maybe you haven't acknowledged your anxieties. And so just take a minute to just name them. Name them in your heart. What are they? I'm just going to do the same. It's just a few moments where you just name them. What are you anxious about? What are you worried about? What's your deepest dread right now? What, what, what does this conjure up for you that is just causing you to be anxious? Now, what I want to encourage you to do is to name those things and then pick them up. Pick them up. And now hurl them to God. Drop them if you want. But whatever you do, stop holding them. Let go of them. You can't carry them. You can't carry them. God is the only one who is caring enough to take them, no matter what they are. You may think they're silly. You may think they're too extreme. No matter what it is, He is caring enough to receive them. Give them to Give them to Him. And what is more is He's not just caring. He's actually mighty. And so He says in His Word to, to cast our anxieties on Him, He will lift us up. He will lift us up, which is a final promise of Full redemption restoration. God has your story from beginning to end in his hands. And so you can give him everything that you're worried about. Your summer vacation plans are, 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 are no longer happening. Summer camps no longer happening. Whatever it is that makes you so anxious, your job, your job, maybe your search for a job. Everything feels to be feels like it's being thrown out of balance. Take those things and hurl them at God. He's mighty enough and he's caring enough to hold them. And then secondly, I would say this. We as a church, we can get to work. When our hands are empty, we now are able to use those same hands to serve others. We're released, actually, uh, to, to, to serve others, to notice needs, and to actually, uh, we are compelled and released to care for others right now, especially the most vulnerable. I love how Scott Souls, Pastor Scott Souls, says it. He says, 
By all means, yes, wash your hands. But now, go wash feet. And that's the mission of God's people. And it always has been. In fact, our ancient brothers and sisters in Christ can mentor us right now. Because this isn't the first time that society has dealt with a serious public health crisis. In the late 3rd century, there was a terrible plague throughout the Roman Empire. And we think our pandemic is bad, but I was reading articles and reports about this. that They were saying that 5,000 people were dying in Rome per day. And so as you could imagine, people were freaking out, people were fleeing, people were hiding, but not these weird people called Christians. In fact, we have this writing, and I think this has been going around a bit. It's so encouraging. The Bishop of Alexandria, in that moment, he wrote this. He said, most of our brothers and sisters showed love and loyalty in not sparing themselves while helping one another, tending to the sick with no thought of danger, and gladly departing this life with them after becoming infected with their disease. Many who nursed others to health died themselves, thus transferring their death to themselves. The best of our own brothers lost their lives this way. Some presbyters, deacons, and laymen, a form of death based on strong faith and piety that seems in every way equal to martyrdom. This would also take up the bodies of the saints. They would take up the bodies of the saints. They would close their eyes. They would shut their mouths and they would carry them on their shoulders and they would embrace them, wash and dress them in burial clothes and soon receive the same services themselves. What they were doing is they were hurling their fears on the mighty and caring hand of God. And then with those empty hands, they would now be open to serve neighbor. And we can do the same. We can serve our neighbors today. And so I want to ask the question, how can hope, how can we as a church do just that? Now, the first thing I would say is to be careful, okay? So we're serving our vulnerable neighbors right now by slowing the outbreak. And so in some senses, the advice of, and, the, and the witness of the, of the Bishop of Alexandria is not a perfect analogy to where we are. One of the most loving things that we can do is to do just exactly what we're doing, meeting by live stream and by slowing things down, being cautious. We're hearing a lot about social distancing, which as an introvert, Social distancing is my jam. I'm good with that. I know some of you extroverts are really struggling right now. But the point is, this is one of the best things we can do to love our neighbors. Every time we wash our hands, think, well, I'm not protecting myself. Think, I'm loving my vulnerable neighbor, the elderly in my community, the compromised in my community. Think about it in terms of loving others. We had the last minute me uh, kind of evacuate our house just for this very same reason. This is a, a just is just a, something that we're all doing together. It's a service of our neighbors. So we're the most careful, the church. Let's lead in this way. Let's not be haphazard, okay? I think number two, let's do a ministry of checking in. What I mean is, you know folks who have no intentional community. Uh, they have what I would call unintentional communities. Unintentional communities Um, If they depended on school or if they depended on their gym or their workplace for community and suddenly that's been stripped away, they're very lonely. Now, look, as a church, we have an intentional community, which means there are ways that we can check in on each other. But there are friends that you have and colleagues that you have that don't have this intentional community. So reach out, check in, send them a text, see how they're doing. 
And then we serve. I think it's important to, to know that hope is partnered with safe families and with school cancellations, along with the hesitation to place kids uh, with the elderly and their grandparents, there's going to be a lot of phone calls to safe families asking for babysitting. Now, we have an, a family in our church prepared to be available to do just that. Well, but what we need to do as a church is to come alongside them to help, because that's what the church does. We don't press pause. We have work to do. Yes, we're careful. We're cautious. We're doing everything that the experts are telling us to do out of love for neighbor. But we're also not bunkering down. We're going to serve our neighbor. And of course, if you yourself need to be careful, be careful and feel no shame if this is a season in which you yourself are being cared for instead of being on the front end of caring. That's okay. That's okay. It's hard, but grace teaches us to receive as well as to give. And then finally, I would just say this, open your eyes to spiritual hunger. Uh, moments like these are reality checks. Life is short. We're vulnerable. We have a God, though, who is mighty and who has caring hands. Think of this as we close. The hand of God, the mighty hand of God to this day in Jesus has scars on it. We can tell people about that. We can tell people about the care of God and the might of God and how he is our hope. And so let's cast our anxieties on him and allow that to be the pathway to non-anxious presence. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us implement uh, this vision that you have for us of casting our anxiety? Lord, we could be the church who tells our friends and neighbors we are as anxious as they are, maybe even more, but we have somebody to throw those anxieties to. And so Lord, in these coming days and weeks, we're going to be anxious. Would you give us the grace to hurl them at you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.